Hey guys, this is Alana. I wanted to talk today about what to do with shiny object syndrome and how to handle that. Because on the one hand, as creative people, as artistic people, it can be so exciting to have so many new ideas, but it can also feel a little bit overwhelming. And sometimes it could also lead us into places that aren't incredibly wise for business. And on the other hand, though, we, we want to enjoy the ride. We don't want to just keep riding the things that are going to make the most money if we're really feeling a passion and a draw toward another project. So our discussion today is really just going to be how do we handle shiny object syndrome? What do we do when we feel like it's getting us in trouble? How can we kind of embrace it? One thing that I really loved is when Christine Catherine Rush called this her hummingbird brain. Because I feel like that really applies. You can picture a hummingbird just quickly flitting from thing to thing. And there are some people who don't get shiny object syndrome. And there are also some people who are so caught up in what's new and what sounds fun that, like, I think in at the worst, if you are suffering from the detrimental kind of hummingbird brain, what this would look like is maybe five books in five different genres, you write a book, you publish it, and then you totally forget about it because you're ready to move on to the next project. And you're never really building up your brand because you're focusing so much on what is fun and what is new. But there are some amazing things about having a hummingbird brain as well. So I want to start with the positives. You guys know me. I don't like to be doom and gloom. I don't like to wag my finger at anybody. Shiny object syndrome is a huge part of my process. And sometimes I wish it weren't. Sometimes it would be easier if I could be the kind of person who at the start of a new year could have my entire 12-month calendar and know exactly what I was going to write when, exactly what books and what series I was going to get done. But I just know that that's not how I work. So some of the amazing things about shiny object syndrome is that it is very unlikely that you're going to run out of ideas. So you will understand this if you have maybe a notebook or a document somewhere on your hard drive or in the cloud where you just have dozens or hundreds of story ideas. And you know that even if you wrote 5,000 words every single day of your life, you wouldn't get to finish every single one. Another hallmark, I think, of shiny object syndrome or hummingbird brain is, let's say you start writing a novella. I think this is so common for authors. I'm going to write one novella. And then all of a sudden, you have a novella that turns into a branch off series. And then the branch off series gets a branch off series. And then this side character connects with this side character. So you have, you know, pretty much a whole universe created. And it's all in your head, right? It, it's not that you're going to do every single one of these things. And that's where hummingbird brain can get us into trouble is when we are abandoning so many projects and really sabotaging ourselves that way. And then in addition to these abandoned projects is what we were talking about earlier, where you're working on things that are so unrelated that you're not building up your brand. So this is an author who's got, like I said, five different stories written in five different genres and if it's what you absolutely love and you find a way to make that work for you, then I would say go with it. I feel like in as much as we can embrace the hummingbird brain in as much as we've got it, we may as well because it's harder to fight and it can be fun and exciting to just go where creativity takes us. And I think that 
the most artistically successful writers are going to be the ones who are willing to take some of these risks. And they don't have to necessarily have the logical plan, but they just know my heart is drawn to write this book. It doesn't fit into my current body of work. I don't know how I'm going to market it, but I'm drawn here. I don't think that's terrible, but like I said, from a business standpoint, it usually makes more sense to write in a similar genre because that way your readers are going to continue to read each and everything you write. So if you have a romance and a sci-fi and a historical thriller, people who love your romance aren't necessarily going to love your other two, you know, and there's not going to be as much crossover. Like I said, if you have the means just from a kind of financial and creative standpoint to not have to worry about that side of it, then there's no reason not to embrace your hummingbird brain and just write whatever whatever comes to your heart. And also, I think this could work if you're a new author and you aren't exactly sure what genre you want to end up in. I think it's totally fine to dabble in a couple different genres to see what you enjoy writing the most, what other people respond to the most, and that's going to probably guide you. There comes a point, though, where most of us, if we want to keep on growing our business, we're going to want to narrow down, at least from a logical standpoint. Our logical side is going to want to narrow down. I should tell myself, Alana, your Christian suspense novels make you the most money. When you write a Christian suspense series with one main character, those sell really, really well. Just keep doing that. But I also know that my creative side is going to be resistant anytime I tell myself, this is what you have to write and you have to keep doing it this way forever and ever and ever and ever. So if you don't mind that side of it, then go ahead, pick what makes logical sense, pick your one genre and build that up. And every single book you write is building your brand, which is amazing. If, however, you get resistant to the idea of writing the same thing or the same tropes or the same genre over and over and over, there are still ways to honor your creativity and mix it up without totally sabotaging it from a business standpoint. So sabotaging it from a business standpoint would mean I wrote romance for the, my first three years as an author, and now I really decided that I want to do gory thrillers. And so I'm just going to unpublish all my romance, forget I ever wrote them, and start something totally new. Now, there could be a time to do that. I definitely would recommend doing it under a different name. You know, pick a pen name so your romance readers aren't getting confused if the genres are that different. But there's no reason to not still build up what you've got, but there's also no reason to stay in a genre that you hate or are creatively trained by. But instead of, in this example, going from the sweet romance to hardcore horror, maybe what you could do is find where those might intersect. So maybe in your case, it might be you've got your sweet romance line, and then you've got a slightly edgier line that still has some romance, but it's got more thrills or something like that. That could be one way to look at it. That's kind of what I try to do. I try to keep the fiction that I write under the Christian suspense umbrella, but I also allow myself to be pretty experimental. So for example, Forget Me Now is my first book that in my mind counts as a psychological thriller. It's a genre I really enjoy reading and thought it would be a fun stretch to try to write. 
it still falls under the Christian suspense umbrella. My typical Christian suspense reader enjoys reading that one, but it's got a different feel. It's got a different tone. It felt really different writing it, but it also felt very refreshing to write something that was that different. It was first person, first person present. It, it was a lot different. It was brand new characters. And sometimes I think it's important if you are feeling kind of creatively stuck in a rut, I think it's important to allow yourself to experiment and try new things. And I think that a lot of the time you can find a way to have that still coincide with what you're already doing. So my hummingbird brain would have gotten me in trouble if I said, I love psychological thrillers, I wanna do them. And I wrote a psychological thriller that was so different than what my Christian suspense readers are wanting that they got super mad at me, right? Or, you know, best case scenario, I have a brand new genre probably a different pen name. And then I'm kind of starting over trying to market as a brand new author, which can work, but it's harder. In the past few months where my hummingbird brain has really gotten me in trouble, hasn't been the fiction side of things. It's been all these nonfiction things that I've been doing, the courses I'm making, the podcasts I'm doing, the books for authors. So this year I had a book on Amazon ads come out and a book on productivity for authors come out, published as Alana J. Terry, those take time and energy away from the fiction. And my hummingbird brain gets me in trouble because I'll create a course for authors, which I, I really like creating the courses, but I don't love marketing them. And so that's where my hummingbird brain has gotten me into a decent amount of trouble. It's be like, oh, I'm going to create a course on Facebook ads. And then I create the course on Facebook ads. And the next thing I know, I'm either back to working on fiction or I'm saying, okay, now I want to do a course on BookBub ads. And I kind of forget that, yeah, I'm making these courses to help other authors, which means that I kind of need to let authors know about them. And so I haven't done an amazing job marketing these courses because by the time I finish, I'm so ready to start the next project, right? I think that's another hallmark of people with shiny object syndrome. And sometimes we just need to remember that part of the creative process is the marketing side, the getting it out into the world. You know, if you think about the things that we create in the analogy of, you know, childbirth, you can't go through labor and say, you know, and, and pop out a baby and say, oh, I'm glad that's done. Let me, you know, move on to the next kid I'm going to make, right? Like that baby needs food and taken care of and all of that. And so I feel like sometimes we do this with our art, like we spend so much energy into creating the art. And then as soon as it's done, we're ready to move on to the next project. But we need to kind of remind ourselves that part of the creative process is getting it out there. You know, for me, that includes the edits. I would love to never edit a book in my life. I would love to just write the first draft and then forget I ever wrote it and have a royalty check come to me in a month, right? <laughs> like that would be fun for me, but it's just part of the process. So if you're struggling with finding the finishing energy or the marketing energy to get things out, one thing that you can do is to tell yourself that by finishing a project or by marketing that project, you're actually allowing your hummingbird brain more freedom in the future. The future you is going to thank you. So for example, let's say the best me creates these courses for authors. I'm so excited about them. I'm ready to create another course, but I tell myself, okay, Alana, you need to let other authors know about this course that you've just made so that when you go on to make more courses, you're going to have a bigger audience. You can help more people and so on. In the book realm, it's exactly the same, right? If you really want to pursue the 
the experimental things like Forget Me Now, the psychological thriller I was telling you about. Like I said, it's totally different. It's a standalone. My readers are used to series. There's a lot of the tone is different. So it was a, a pretty big experiment. But I knew that I could take the risk of making that experiment because I had other books in my backlist that were getting the bills paid, right? And so that's another way that you can think of it by marketing, by finishing, by at least paying some attention to the business side of things and making wise business decisions. That's going to allow you to earn more money, which is going to allow you to be able to have more creative freedom in the future. You know, so think about the different singers who are so flamboyant because they've got, they've got enough money that they don't care if they, you know, get somebody mad at them or, you know, if people think they're weird, they can afford to lose fans. And I'm not saying we should do things to deliberately lose fans. But what I'm saying is that if you know, you've got your core books that are going to sell because they're written to market, they're in a series, they were just smartly produced from a business standpoint, at that point, once you get more money coming in, then you can afford to take more creative risks, which is a fun place to be. So bottom line, don't beat yourself up for having a hummingbird brain. Recognize that's part of what makes you an amazing creative person. And then gently try and see if you can find ways to mesh the two together. And just don't forget to bring some finishing energy into your projects and remind yourself it's just part of the process of being an artist, right? So that is my tip for the day. I hope you're having an amazing week. I hope that you are feeling full of ideas, right? That's the other thing about hummingbird brain. It's so much better to have too many ideas than not enough ideas. So I hope your ideas are just flowing, that you have so many more projects that you would feel so impassioned to dive into that you know, having that difficulty deciding is sometimes a fun place to be. And I hope that you just enjoy the journey and enjoy the process. And that especially you have that finishing energy we talked about. And I will talk to you guys soon.